I'm never going to stop praising Him. That's what the message is about today. Renew a steadfast spirit in with, within me. Renew. That's what it's about. Never going to stop. We should never stop praising Him. So the theme today is re. What? What? Re. Renew. Resubmit. Rededicate. Recommit. All those things. We're going to have a rededication this morning at the end of the the end of the service. Sandy said that she wants to rededicate her life to the Lord. And we, we at times need to do that. Recommit and rededicate ourselves to Him. I don't know if you ever have, but have you ever been at the ocean, maybe when you were younger and out floating around on a raft, and all of a sudden you realize you're a lot further from shore than you intended to be? Anybody ever done that besides me? I have. It's been a long time ago. We're floating around on a raft. Of course, I was younger then. And just having a good time, enjoying the waves, enjoying the sunshine and the scenery, and just enjoying, you know, time, time at the beach. And all of a sudden, I realized, whoa, I'm way farther than, from shore than I intended to go. And let me tell you, these, I mean, they're not the best paddles in the world. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you feel like you go about three feet Toward the shore and two feet back. Three feet towards, two feet back. I mean, it's like by the time you get back into where you wanted to go, you're like exhausted. It wears you out because these are not the best paddles in the world. <laughs> so, so, there, so others have been there and done that, right? Well, you know, sometimes our faith walk is kind of like that. We don't intend to drift as far away from God as we may have drifted, but we have. For whatever reason, you know, we didn't intentionally neglect reading His Word. We didn't intentionally not pray as often as we used to. But it just seems like there's so many things going on in our lives that it just happened. Come on. Been there, right? You know what I mean. You probably have found yourself at that point or to some degree at some point in your life. Maybe you've, you know, is that illustration with drifting off from the shore. God's on the shore, right? And that ocean represents the world that's drawing you away. And some have drifted farther than others. Some just a little piece. But the amazing thing is, no matter how far that we have drifted away from God, He's always faithful to bring you back. He's always faithful as when... Peter was walking on the water. He was okay as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, right? As soon as he took his eyes off and looked at, the, looked at the waves and looked at the storm around him, he began to sink. And that's what happens in our lives. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we drift away. And we need to call out to Him. He is always faithful to take us back. To reach out and help us back into the boat or back onto the shore where we'll be with Him, right? And most have probably not fallen away or drifted away to the extent of the example that I'm going to use today in Psalms. I'm going to be speaking of David. But I will tell you this, no matter how far, we'll get to the Scripture eventually, no matter how far you have drifted away from God, He always wants you back. You know, a few years ago or a couple years ago, we had DirecTV as our satellite provider. 
And they give you this guaranteed price, but it's only for a certain time. And then as soon as that time expires, they start jacking the prices up and jacking the prices up till it's like it's ridiculous. And you'd play the game, you would cancel it and renew, and I've got Tartar playing their games. I said, that's it, I'm done with you. Send me the label, I'm going to ship your junk back to you. I don't want you anymore. Well, then they start sending out all kinds of mail and all kinds of phone calls. And what's their thing? What do they say? We want you back. That's, the, that's what, exactly what they said. We want you back. What's it going to take? We want you back. Well, they didn't want me back. You got it. Did you read my message? They wanted my money back. But friends, God doesn't want your money. He wants what? Your heart. He wants your heart. I can use DirecTV's slogan, God wants you back. If you've drifted away, He wants you back. If you're here today, if you're listening today, if you've drifted from God, He wants you back. He wants that relationship restored. Because our God is a restoring God. He likes to restore broken relationships. He likes to restore broken hearts. He likes to renew. And we can be renewed in Him. So Psalms 51. I'm going to have to open up my Bible because I didn't have all of my Scripture that I want to use typed out. 1 through 18. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. I like that. The multitude of God's tender mercies, right? Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. I'm going to pause for a moment. When we sin, you you think, well, we're sinning against an individual. But what did Jesus say? As you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. So when we sin against someone, we're actually sinning against God. Think about that. The next time you think about doing something you shouldn't be doing, or saying something to someone you shouldn't have, you're sinning against God. All right? Now I've lost my place. Ha. Ah. I did lose my place. I forget what verse that was. So, okay. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David's crying out, God, 
renew a steadfast spirit within me. And do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Isn't that an amazing psalm that David's speaking? Sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O Lord, or O God, you will not despise. God desires a broken spirit. That we will be broken for Him. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for the words that You spoke to us through the psalmist David. Father, we thank You for the example that David lived. Father, we pray that You help us look to the good things that David did and the words that he spoke. And Father, most of all, may we look to the heart that he had. Father, that it was truly that he had a heart that longed for You, a heart that was broken before You. And Father, may we follow the example that he set. May we have a heart that is broken and contrite. Father, a heart that You can work with. Father, may Your Spirit work in us and through us. And Father, this, Your Spirit would remove anything that should not be there. And Father, just pray that we would glorify You with our lives and just pray that Your presence would be with us right now, this hour, but each and every day. May Your Spirit go with us, go before us, and go with us and in us, Father, to bring glory and honor to You, Lord, that sinners might be turned from their transgressions through the lives that they see in us, that they see Christ in us, in Jesus' name, amen. David cries out, have mercy upon me. The most basic theological definition of mercy is that it is a gift from God that He gives to us instead of the punishment that we deserve for our sins. That's the most basic understanding of what mercy is. It is a gift that God gives to us instead of what we actually deserve for our sins. All we have to do is receive it. Mercy is to have pity upon, to have compassion towards someone. It is to to show kindness. It is to show concern for someone that is in need. Do we have mercy towards others? You know, the natural man, it's easy to have mercy towards someone that we may already have a relationship with you know, our close friends or our family, it's easy to show mercy towards them. Sometimes it's a little difficult, but it's easy to show mercy towards someone that we know. But to show mercy towards a stranger, someone who maybe has wronged you or your family, that gets a little bit more difficult, doesn't it? To show mercy towards them. But friends, they're the ones that need it the most. They're the ones that need it. That is a rare trait to be able to forgive someone that has wronged you, especially in a severe way. We can only do that with His Spirit in us. To be able to show mercy and forgive someone that has wronged you in a bad way. 
You know, sometimes, sorry to say, even Christians, we have the attitude, well, they'll get what's coming to them. They deserve that. But what they really need is mercy. They need Christ. Pray for thy enemies, Jesus said, right? Let's pray for them. I know that's hard, but that's what we're called to do. Show mercy. Lamentations 3.22 says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They, God's mercies, my friends, will not fail. God's mercies will not be exhausted. He is not going to run out of mercy. Isn't that good news? He is not going to run out of mercy. They will not fail. He says, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. His mercies are great. Where sin is great, His mercies is greater. Sin's a little, you still need mercy. And God's mercies will not fail us. We can look at so many examples of God's dealings with the nation of Israel. How He would allow them to be disciplined because of the transgressions, because they, they've sinned against Him, or they began to worship idols, or all these things. But even in His judgments, He was always merciful with them. He was always extending mercy to them. Even when they were carried off captive, God was merciful to them. There's a New Testament passage that reveals the mercy of our Lord in Matthew 18, 21-35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I mean, he thought seven was being pretty generous, right? He thought it was. Jesus said, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. All right, do the math. Come on, kids. Math whizzes. How many? 490. Well, even that, boy, that's 490 times. But no, that's not what he's telling us. Unlimited. As often as your brother comes before you and asks for forgiveness, my friends, forgive them. Show mercy. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is the equivalent of several million dollars today, by today's standards. So there's the equivalent, so you have that. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion mercy, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. My friends, today's equivalent, a few dollars. So several million versus a few dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. This, then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, 
I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him into the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will also be with you if each of you, get that, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. If you are unwilling to forgive, if you are unwilling to have mercy, God will not have mercy towards you. You must forgive in order to be forgiven. Verses 2 and 3 said, Wash me thoroughly, this is from Psalms, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Acknowledge my transgressions. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, friends, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we but ask for forgiveness, God is faithful to forgive, to renew, to rededicate, to recommit, to resubmit. Every last one of these acts begins with one thing, humbling. They begin with humbling ourselves before God, confessing our sins to God, and resubmitting our will in our ways to Him, unto His will and His way, and His plan for us. That's what it means to humble ourselves and recommit ourselves to Him. Second Chronicles 7, 14 and 15, we've heard this so many times. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. You know, this was not spoken to the heathens. He says, if my people who are called by my name, those that believed in Him, Friends, he's speaking this to the church. If my people, if my Christians will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear, I will see. He says, I will hear from heaven. You know, so many times we pray and we think, we think our prayers are stopping at the ceiling. Um, Come on, have you ever prayed and thought, I just don't feel like my prayers are as effective as they should be or they used to be. It's like they're not going any farther. They're not getting through the roof. But I can tell you right now, because this Word is true, if we humble ourselves and we seek His face, we pray for forgiveness, I assure you there's one prayer that He always hears, because right here it says it. My ears are attentive to the prayer made in this place. His ears are attentive to the prayer of repentance. Every single time, and I just this morning was I was thinking about this. Thought whenever someone prays for forgiveness, when they cry out to God, "Forgive me my sins," I just vision a lightning bolt of prayer going up through all the spiritual battle, going straight to the heavens, straight to God. When we cry out, "Have mercy on me," He hears it. Every single time a sinner cries out, "Have mercy on me," I assure you, God. Hears it. And the devil devil hates it. He hates it. 
when a sinner cries out, have mercy on me, because he says, I've lost another one. Because when we cry out to him, we become his. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He knows at times we become prideful. He knows at times we become lax in our commitment to Him. And again, at times we just we drift away. David drifted away. David was called a man after God's own heart, but he drifted away. He became full of lust for Bathsheba, had murderous plans for Uriah. He rebelled against God. But now, here he is, humbled himself, and he desired a new heart, one that was full of love for God, one that hated sin. Sin had brought him nothing but guilt, grief, and remorse. And he wanted a spiritual heart surgery. He wanted it to be renewed. Created me a clean heart, O oh God. And you know, it's a good thing that he had guilt, that he had grief, that he had remorse. That lets us know that our conscience is working, right? Charles Spurgeon said this about David and his situation with Bathsheba. He says, when Nathan the prophet came unto him, after he had gone into Bathsheba, when the divine message had aroused his dormant conscience and made him see the greatness of his guilt, he wrote this psalm. He had forgotten his psalmody while he was indulging in his flesh, but he returned to his harp when his spiritual nature was awakened, and he poured out his song to the accompaniment of sighs and tears. The great sin of David is not to be excused, but it is well to remember that his case has an exceptional collection of specialties in it. He was a man of very strong passions, a soldier and an oriental monarch having a despotic power. said no other king of his time would have felt any compunction for acting as David did. No other king would have felt guilt as David did. He was a king. Most kings would have thought, I'll do what I want. I'll kill whoever I want to kill because I am the king. I'm the monarch. But David experienced guilt when Nathan revealed his sin unto him. My friends, guilt can be a good thing in our lives. It can awaken our conscience. You know, you think of wintertime. Things go dormant. The grass goes dormant. And Brian says, hallelujah, I get a break from cutting the grass. The plants... The flowers go dormant. Many things go dormant. They look kind of bleak in the wintertime when you live in our region, right? But we know that springtime's coming. And springtime comes and the green starts to burst forth and Brian gets to cut the grass again. And the flowers bloom. And the trees bloom. They get their leaves back on them and get their bloom on them. And they're a beautiful thing. But they, we know that a springtime has come. Well, friends, our faith is like that. When we drift away, it becomes kind of dormant. But when we cry out to Him, we can be refreshed as in the springtime and come back to a new life. You know, God's Word is new every morning. So if we stay in that Word, we can be refreshed. We can be in that springtime every day. Be renewed every day. That's how we stay there. Verse 10 said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, 
and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Steadfast means to be unwavering, unshakable. Are you unshakable? Let nothing shake your faith. Stand firm on that rock, which is Jesus Christ. It is fixed. It is constant. It is steady, solid, and firm. I hope all those things describe your faith in Jesus Christ. That it would be steadfast. Not allowing our conscience to go dormant. Being wholly dedicated to God. Not desiring our own will, but His. I found a story of unwavering dedication. In his book, One Crowded Hour, Tim Bowden describes an incident in Borno in 1964. Nepalese fighters, known as Gurkhas, were asked if they would be willing to jump from airplanes to combat against the Indonesians. The Gurkhas didn't clearly understand what was involved in this mission. But they bravely said that they would do it asking only if the plane would fly very slowly over the swamps of no higher than 100 feet. But when they were told that the parachutes wouldn't open at that height, they said, well, you didn't mention parachutes. <laughs> They'd already said yes. But you didn't tell us we were going to have parachutes. Well, we're good with up high. <laughs> they were willing to jump out of planes without them. Now, is that dedication? Yeah. Karen's, that's craziness. <laughs> <laughs> but that's dedication. If you fly slowly over the swamps, we yeah, will jump out. We'd like to have dedicated soldiers like that for the cross, right? Willing to jump out without that parachute. But the good news is we have the parachute. The Holy Spirit. Ladies, I'll ask you a question. Let's say, for example... Before you and your husband were married, you were engaged, and you were out to dinner one night, and you're just talking about, you know, you're excited about that upcoming wedding, but you get to talking about faithfulness, and your husband said, I promise you, honey, I'll be faithful to you 85% of the time. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? What are you laughing at? Well, most likely you're going to get up you're going to storm out and say, I can't believe I was going to marry that jerk. Right? Yeah. Well, you know what? Parents, you would probably be shocked if your kids obeyed 85% of the time, right? I mean, 85 is pretty good. If the weatherman was right 85% of the time, we'd say, well, that's next to a miracle. Okay? If, you, if I told you, if the lottery board called you today and said, I've got a ticket down here, and there's 85% chance you're going to win, you're probably going to leave church and go buy that ticket. Maybe. You know, if I got 85% on a test in high school, I was pleased. But faithfulness to a spouse, 85% of the time, is not faithfulness, is it? Where am I going with this? Is God happy with 85%? Of our commitment to Him? <laughs> yeah. Be better than 50%. <laughs> but God is not happy with 50% or 85%. He wants 
all of our hearts. 100%. 1 Samuel 7.3 says, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, it doesn't say with 85% of your hearts, friends. If you return to God with all of your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the historists from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. My friends, that's our word today. God wants all of your hearts. Prepare your hearts for Him. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek Him first. Give Him 100% of your heart in your life. Our heart controls what we do. That's why He wants the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My friends, the heart reveals... Our, what we do comes from the heart. And that's why He says He wants all of your heart. That's, it doesn't get any more straightforward than that, does it? Seek the Lord first in everything we do. We should consider setting a time every day, a devotional time for prayer and Bible reading, for praise and worship, to be renewed every day, to stay dedicated to Him every day. If you've drifted away from God, whether it's a little distance or a great distance, I'll go back to saying, He wants you back. He wants your heart. He wants it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. He wants you back today.